You're listening to Tech Nest, the PropTech Podcast. In each episode, you'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. Discover market opportunities, interesting data, growth tactics, and trends driving the industry forward. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. Hey, Ethan. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nate. Awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you here. Uh, and I'm, I feel like, like I said, prior to us starting the recording, like we, we run in similar circles. We got a ton of common friends and connections and it's great to actually finally get a chance to connect and you're based up up in the the northwest i also just learned that's right yeah i i'm actually in downtown seattle right now um and then based just a couple miles live a couple miles north of downtown yeah well i still have roots there and i'll be back soon but uh before we end up digressing too far down the rabbit holes we both warned each other prior to the show we can be long-winded I've got Ethan Lieber here on the show. He is a co-founder and CEO of the company Latchel Software Platform, designed for property managers, helping them be more responsive, provide better perks for renters. And that's that's what I want to start with, the the, the perks, resident benefit packages. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit some ignorance here. Probably two weeks ago is the first time I actually heard those words all put together because I'm not you know squarely in the property management business. This is yeah. kind of like a, a newer term that's really like gone ubiquitous really fast, ain't? Totally, yeah. It's it's still like a budding, um, you could, we could call it a budding tool or, or technology that management companies are using to basically increase their margins. Um, I mean, the name is pretty self-explanatory. What's a resident benefit? It, it's like... <laughs> extras that like a resident probably wouldn't expect to get when they're renting a unit but mm. the management company offers this great series of add-ons to help renters do all kinds of things we can talk about that's like what those types of things are later um but the, the benefit to management companies or landlords and offering these is you're increasing your renter retention because you're offering mm. unique things that they can't get anywhere else that are really like convenient um or enhance the lifestyle of the tenant but the tenant's actually paying a fee for these things too, which is great for boosting the margins of a management company. And you don't have to be in the property management industry to know margins are tight in property management. So these yeah, are- I actually think a lot of people are surprised when they learn that, that, that the property management business is so tight on margins. They think it's, you know, I, I, and you can read this in all the forums Right? Why am I paying a property manager ten percent my rent? All they do is cl- all they do is collect the rent and they get ten percent of it. You know, like I, I think there's probably a misunderstanding of like the day to day and the number of tasks that are required. It's either labor and or cost intensive to to, I, to be able to run that business well. I'll admit, I, I, that's what I thought too before I got into prop tech and got deep into the industry. There's just sort of an assumption, you know, the folks managing and operating the rental are just flush with cash. And, you know, especially if you're like a renter, like you got this like false image of, oh, my property managers, this like fat cat just making so much money. And like, it's just never the, it's not the case. It costs so much money uh, to do a good job managing these units that margins are actually very tight. Um, it's like not uncommon to find a property manager with like 10, 10%, 15% margins. Um, yep. I mean, best, you know, the best in class, you're looking more at like, uh, 25 to, you know, 40%, but like, it's not uncommon to be as low as like 10, 15% margins, especially if you're just starting out in the business. Yeah, they, and it's it, it's becoming more and more um, obvious to me over you know the last uh, few years as I've have dug into that side of the business more. I've been on the owner side of the business for the last several years, but um, 
you know, there, there's all, there's also a, a maturization, if you will, of property management that is still very early innings. Cause there's no one property manager that has a sizable, like a significant percentage of the overall market. You know, it's very segmented, very mom pop. Yeah. You know, one of the things that was interesting when we were starting Lachel, um and talking to, you know, VCs and angels early on is I, I'd often hear folks say, um, so Latchel actually works directly with property managers or very large landlords. We don't actually work with, you know, the individual DIY landlord. Um, so we're very much like, B2B focused on working with companies that are like a couple hundred homes or more. And one of the things we heard often was uh, concern that, well, if Latchell is working with like these third-party property managers, you don't actually have the direct relationship with the person that counts. But I think like it's sort of a, it was a misplaced belief because of this problem that it's so hard for third-party management companies to scale it's not it's really not like a winner take all market because it's impo- it's it's nearly impossible for a management company to have enough scale where they win right. the market yeah yeah so so kind of jumping back to the resident benefit packages guy i want to get mm-hmm. a little more in depth on there give me an example of some of those benefits yeah so probably important to note like uh, I really like talk about Latchel and think about Latchel really as sort of a, a more holistic platform to shield property managers from operating work. And mm. so all of the benefits we offer, they provide tons of value to the resident, tons of money back into the resident's pocket, a ton of convenience factors but they're all actually designed around protecting the management team from having more operational focused work. And so we actually pair our benefits with a bunch of maintenance coordination software, um, which is where like this resident responsiveness comes in. How can we actually be more attuned right. to the resident needs once they're in a yep. unit while delivering these enhanced values? So when you think of Latchel, you think like all of these maintenance requests and the inbound issues residents will have. Normally, they're just blasting their property manager over the phone or like submitting issues through like Wapfolio <laughs> or whatever. Uh, with Latchel, they they just go through us. So like we t- we take that off the plate. But then because the manager's using Latchel to actually get all the maintenance done. Right. We're actually able to have a lot of control of these maintenance outcomes. So a lot of the benefits you'll find in Latchel's uh, resident benefit are around um, reimbursements to our residents for like potentially damages they might have caused that we weren't able to troubleshoot. And we're able to do this because we have direct control of troubleshooting outcomes. Um and because we're able to troubleshoot, not only can we kind of get rid of 30% of the maintenance you'd normally have to deal with, but we're also able to ensure that the tenant isn't in a position where they're going to have mm-hmm. to pay out money on any of these things. That includes like, you know, damages that includes like missing service appointments. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're a property manager and you're like, great, my tenant wasn't there to let the vendor in. Now the vendor just sent me a hundred dollar bill. It's like who's yeah, charge? there's a fee just to show up. Yeah, do you do you charge the tenant? Do you charge the owner, or do you not have to eat the cost of that? And Latchell's yep. benefits are all about preventing that type of dispute. You no longer have to worry about charging the tenant, charging the owner, or, or paying for it yourself because the tenant can get that stuff reimbursed through Latchell. And then we have like a ton of um, like there are so many amazing companies now. Uh, prop tech companies in the management space that provide tons of value to tenants. We've partnered with a lot of these. A lot of them are exclusive partnerships where your tenants can get like access to um, rent relief funds. Uh, mm. Tenants can get like cleaning coordinated right through Latchels. They don't have to go find house cleaners, um, pest control. You know, lawn care, all kinds of stuff that you'd normally think like the residents responsible for. They can actually get all of that managed through Latchel. Oh, that's great! And so, so, so in some of those features, you know, like lawn care and pest control, 
you know, when I, when I lived in the South, I lived outside of Nashville, you know, the, our, our landlord at that time, it was my first time ever having a landlord mandate that we actually had a pest control contract. Mm. And at first oh, I was like, it's kind yeah. of concerning. But then, you know, I figured out, I learned real quickly that there's just a lot of bugs in, in the South. Uh, and, you know, it was like spider control and all that kind of jazz. So, yeah. you know, we ended up having to like figure out like who we're going to hire and go through all that. But it's, so then it sounds like to me then uh, Latchell works with property managers potentially doing single family or one to four. But is it also ideal for high rise or is there a particular persona uh, of property yeah. manager that's best suited for Latchell? Yeah, so like we're, when we started the business, um, my co-founder uh, had actually taken over about like a 40-unit management company that was mostly single-family home and then like some mm. quadplexes. I think there was one building that was maybe like 14 units. Okay. And so like we actually built Latchel first for this. Um, the in, in the industry, sometimes we use the word scattered site. The way to think about this, though, is like Latchel was uh, first built for structures where you they're just not big enough for on-site maintenance. So this is like mm-hmm. single-family homes, small apartment buildings, call it maybe anything up to like 50 units. Generally, like once you're over 50 units, you might have like some on-site tech close enough together where you just have like an on-site team kind of circling between the buildings. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're really focused on like single-family, small apartments. Uh we don't have to dive into this. We we literally just launched new products for the high rise space. Oh, so okay. When you're thinking about like a building with a bunch of on site team members, we we just mm-hmm. launched a product for that space. That that product's quite different. Um, it's not built around actually like amenities and benefits. That product's really built around. Um, uh, maintenance, uh, intaking and troubleshooting maintenance to reduce mm-hmm. overtime, but then also mm-hmm. creating a better level of maintenance insights so that, you know, CFOs and operators of these like, and, and ownership of these big buildings can actually compare, um, maintenance outcomes across their portfolio. So you'll actually be able to tell like, okay, this building is having like way too many plumbing issues. We might need mm-hmm. to do some like proactive or preventative work. You know, this building, there's this specific dishwasher that's having lots of issues. So th- that's the product we provide to the high rise, kind of a different, very different though, makeup than for scattered site. Got it. So when a, when a property manager uh, is using Latchel, does it provide, are there certain metrics that would provide a uh, kind of health score or way of like knowing like, hey, how good am I on my response? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we're if we're improving communications and response time, there's got to be some way to measure that. So like, what are some of those oh, yeah. metrics that you guys have built in to like give the property manager insights as to like how good or how well are they doing? Yeah, so we we sort of think about it as like these like input and output metrics. Like th- there are certain output metrics that you maybe don't have direct control over, but they mm-hmm. signal like overall health of a process. Some of those like output metrics we use would be like resident NPS. Um, oh, like, so okay. we average close to like four point seven out of five stars on every single review from residents. These come at different stages. Online reviews. Uh, so these are actually in the app. So when oh, you okay. wow. uh, Latchel will troubleshoot with residents to try and de-escalate issues. Uh, so they leave a review on that troubleshooting experience, and then you know when a work order is completed, we actually mm-hmm. get uh, a rating for the service provider. Then we get a rating on the overall experience, having that thing coordinated and how you'd rate the management company. Yeah. So all of these reviews come in at like four, about a 4.7 out of five. Um, that's like across the board. Now, now, actually, if you look at different customers, we have some that are just like five stars. Like they do such a good job of mm-hmm. working in Latchel and being proactive. It's just like every experience the resident has is just off the charts amazing. Wow. That said, we also will have some that kind of struggle. They struggle sometimes to adjust to the platform to get things going. And a lot of times, too, like they might be older properties, so there's a lot more maintenance. And, mm. and so you'll have some folks that are running more close to like a three and a half star. 
Um, but that's a good metric. Um, like, what's your resident NPS? Would they recommend a, a, another renter move into one of your properties? And then what's the actual work order completion time is sort of like an output metric. Interestingly, with Latchel, this is where a lot of like the, the, the magic happens. B- because you can think of these service requests as a life cycle, you mm-hmm. can actually track how long it takes on average for work orders to move between stages. Like how long is it taking for me to um, actually vet what the work order is? How long mm-hmm. does it then take for me to actually get a service provider scheduled? How long does it take once the job's done for me to actually get confirmation that it was completed and get my invoice? So like you can get really granular. We think of these as like the input metrics, um, those granular ones that actually push things along the life cycle. Yeah. I, I mean, as a, as a marketer and I'm, I'm really a performance driven type person, this is where I would like, I would go down rabbit holes of like, I just want to see like, how does, how does everything move along? I really get, I, I love to geek out on the operations. Right. And, and it makes a lot of sense. Like if you want to improve the business, there's the, 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 uh, the cliche saying what gets measured, what, what, what matters gets measured. I think that's how it goes. Oh, there's right? one too. That's like, I think it's, you are what you measure or like you are, what oh, you, you are what you measure. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've heard. Isn't, yeah. Isn't that, that's Mark Andreessen's book. You are what you do. Isn't that, isn't that, what, that, that was, uh, it was actually one of my favorite books. You are what you do. I, I'll look it up later. We'll, we won't yeah. go down there, but, but yeah, <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that to me, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I see stuff that comes up in the space. We're going to help people do this. We're going to help people do that. And quite admittedly, I've dug into some of those products. And I'm like, but there's no like definition of the insight. There's no mm. addition. You know, like, yes, it has a process or it has a capability, but it doesn't give you an indication of how well you're doing or yeah. what's the, you know, as the result of it. And I think that that's still a, a missing key piece is, you know, the, the property management space overall is still in very much transformation as you know, taking, I mean, there's, there are a lot of property management businesses that do not use building or Appfolio or rent manage any of it. They, they're still on paper contracts coming to the office, you know, mom and pop in, in the door. And I think there's still a long way to go to bring the industry along. Um, kind of on that though, like, have you come up against resistance from some of the industry in adopting new, thoughts and and ways of managing maintenance and what are you doing to help kind of overcome that yeah i think that's it that's a really good question and there are so many layers to it um maybe i can start like a couple steps behind the question which is that the industry is so fragmented there isn't real benchmarking Hmm. meaning if anyone wants to know if they're good, you're like, okay, what do you good relative to what? Good relative to what you were doing a month ago, or good relative mm. to some industry benchmark? There is no industry benchmark, a- and the thing that's ch- it's a pretty, in multifamily, it's different. Like high rise, like when you get into like Avalon Bay, mm-hmm. you know, uh, gray star type buildings it's a little bit different but when you're down in the scattered site there's a huge lack of benchmarking that also means and there also happens to be a little standardization mm. even when you're looking at the major property management platforms like i'm talking buildium property we're up folio like in that that space they each function while they like on the surface, they sort of all seem the same and like in a lot of ways they are, but in a back end framework, they all function quite differently that make mm-hmm. it even hard to standardize across those platforms. So and if you your operations from one to the next are totally different then how can your metrics and standards be unison? It, exactly. Uh, yeah. So there's that, that's just like a sort of a, industry challenge that hmm. it's going to take time for the industry to, to, to get past. Um, so then when you're, uh, 
that said, there is sort of like a general life cycle to customer service in the management space. It's like everyone's got to get work orders completed. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got to get lease ups done. Everyone's yep. need everyone needs to be able to screen a tenant and make sure that you know their screening qualifications are 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 good. So there are common things, but the way each of those things is run is very unstandardized. You can kind of see it actually when you look at the management platform and you, like let's just take maintenance. You say, okay, mm-hmm. what's the status of a maintenance ticket? It's open or closed. In ninety nine percent of platforms, it's open or closed. Like what? So maybe what, not in progress or waiting yeah. on, like stuck waiting on something. It's just either open waiting or on closed. materials. No, that that doesn't yeah. exist anywhere. Uh, well, I mean, it exists in Latchel, um, but these types of things, like, so it's really hard to to standardize and, and build processes around. Mm. What that means is, when a management company is looking at solving these robust customer service problems around like mm-hmm. what benefits do I provide? How do I ensure the customer service around maintenance is adequate? It's really hard to know where you stand. Um, so even if you're switching to a platform like Latchel, Latchel can baseline you, but like kind of hard to know what does that actually mean? Now, once you're on Latchel long enough, you've got all the data to actually drive something. Um, so that, that part is challenging. And I think, uh, you know, you, in your question, you sort of said, are there systems or things that create friction in this? And one of the biggest things, it, it's just sort of where, where the industry is, where the main software, what the main software players have done to gate the systems and gate the data. Mm-hmm. They are publishing more APIs now, but they're still very protective of the data and these APIs are very new. So you're not mm-hmm. actually getting appropriate levels of integration to drive great outcomes all the time. So players like, you know, Latchel, uh, RentCheck, you know, tons of other prop tech startups in this management space sort of have to find these interesting ways to work around that. Got it. Yeah. And I, 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 um, I appreciate that thoroughness there. I think that there's probably many more layers you could have gone to or some nuances with that, that question I know is somewhat broad. Um, I want to talk a little bit of something that kind of related to, you know, a go to market strategy here, you know, cause a lot of what we're talking about here, you know, we, we, we acknowledge up front, you know, resident benefits being kind of like, even just that as a term still, I think even referring to renters as residents itself is still very, like a new movement, if you will, to yeah, like yeah. kind of transition. It's like a, it's a totally mm-hmm. a mindset thing to, to, to do that. But this may not be the thing that property managers are looking for. They're not going to Google typing in resident benefit. So yeah. how, how do you, you know, and, and I know you, you, you've already done other startups, you know, you've been in the, you've been building products for what, 10, 15 years now in other verticals. So, so what are you thinking about as like, how do we position Latchel so that we can get what our solution does in front of the property manager when they're not looking for exactly what we do? Yeah, this is, um, uh, a challenging question to get this week. Um, (laughs) three weeks ago, I, it would have been an easier question for me to answer, um, uh, transparently part of the reason this is a tough question right now is we just had to pivot on one of our main go-to-market motions which is primarily like outbound driven sales and mm-hmm. so uh, I'm coming to you like you know f- a few days after we actually had to run um, a meaningful cut on our sales team because that outbound driven motion is super challenging in this space um, sure one of the things that makes it very challenging in this space is it's actually really hard because like this sort of mom and pop SMB, even mid market uh, property management space, it's so fragmented. It's really hard to get good data on targets. So they're close to like 175,000 SMB and mid market management companies in the U S. So this, this isn't an issue of the addressable market. 
it's an issue of like how do you find those companies um, when they're you know we've already talked about lack of standardization there are a very small handful of associations and like professional trade groups that together only represent about 10% of that total market. Mm. So when you're in that 10%, like that outbound motion works. But once you're outside of that 10%, sort of like the outbound becomes way too inefficient. It's not that it doesn't Mm -hmm. work. I mean, like we could broadly say it doesn't work, but the reason it stops working as you go beyond that is it's just too inefficient because getting to the right right people is very challenging so mm-hmm. um yeah from like what are the go to motion uh, go to market motions that work like we see very high efficacy in uh, more of like that inbound or marketing led engagement it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. like an inbound request for a demo or like a self sign up but even when you have like marketing engaged targets you get a very mm-hmm. efficient uh, sale when you engage your sales team at that point. So the question sort of becomes, well, how do you actually cultivate more of these engaged targets? Um, mm. There's a lot of like really interesting ways to do this. Like one of the ways that's always worked really well for us is like, believe it or not, marketing emails. Um, oh, I and- believe it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know if you've had this experience, but this is even like to make it even more counterintuitive. We found the longer the email, the better the marketing cadence will perform. Oh, okay. It's just like, I, I mean, I, I think here? there's all <laughs> kinds of things that are counterintuitive with email marketing uh, that I, that I've come across and, you know, um, fragmented markets is an area that I have both beat my head against desks <laughs> for way too many hours. But it's also a fun thing to play in because how do you pull together people with different backgrounds and different geographies that have the same problems but different definitions and nuances and get them still to seek your one solution they don't know to look for? Yeah, well... Yes, that this is the challenge that they don't know to look for, and mm-hmm. that, that's one of the challenges with like such a like a um, yeah a tech a tech laggard industry, meaning yeah. like you know property management ado- has adopted tech way slower than other industries, so mm-hmm. like you don't have this um, natural inclination with the SMBs in mid market to actually look for technology solutions to these super common problems um but yeah that so the marketing email works really from like an educational standpoint which is i think why actually the longer form emails can work in this industry because like Mm. it's really hard to teach someone anything meaningful when you only have 120 characters you're not wrong yeah i think that's why twitter bumped it to 140 though so that we could (laughs) yeah extra well actually i think it's or x i should say x it's X. X. It, it's unlimited, it's, it's, and now you can apparently they're they're, they're, they're movies. Z. I don't I don't know how to I don't, how do you pronounce it with an X? And I, I think I don't think it's X anymore, right? I don't know. I saw them. Didn't they supposedly take the sign off the the building, just, like the city? Was I, I don't even know. I'm gonna call it Eats from now on. I'm just gonna get rid of the TW. It's just they're Eats. Um, X marks the spot. Yeah. Oh geez, we have, that, that's going to be a whole other thing. I, there was one thing I was um, curious about. It's a little more about the the, the business and Latchel itself. Mm. And um, you know, you guys went through Y Combinator, and yeah. Y Combinator. You know, prop techs. A few have come before you guys, and then many have come after you. I'm curious, and this is really I'm asking this for the benefit of other earlier stage founders listening to this. You know. What are some of the benefits uh, that ongoing? Because I know there's a bit of a mm-hmm. network with Y Combinator, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't hear many people talking about this. I know if you're in Y Combinator, you know about it, but I haven't heard you know many people within prop tech talk about like the ongoing uh, benefits that come from having gone through uh, Y Combinator. Um, yeah, I mean, just from like an impact perspective, like what I'll say is. Uh, 
fast forward a few years, um, Latchell's had a fantastic exit. Now Ethan's ready to go be serial entrepreneurs, start tons of other companies. Uh, uh, I would go, th- I would go through Y Combinator on every and any future company I start. Um, well, unless I was like, Oh, this is like a lifestyle business. Like I'm opening like a, a coffee shop <laughs> just to hang out in my coffee shop and make coffee for folks. Like obviously that that's different, but any, any company that I was looking to scale, I would go through Y Combinator. Uh, that's having already done it and already being part of the network. So like, yeah, the network is insane wow. valuable, but I would still put any company I ever started through, through Y Combinator the question about like what are the long-term benefits so you know we went through yc in 2019 um is that still paying dividends for lateral and there's a a few ways it does um you know i think there's like normally i would say this like without any caveats that like there's a meaningful and valuable valuation premium that any mm. company gets coming out of Y Combinator. And that's because YC companies are going to have a lot more support. And I think like generally investors are going to know that. And it makes sense to pay a premium for those companies that have all that extra support. Um, there's really a leg up there. So that's a lasting advantage you get. Um, the network is a lasting mm-hmm. advantage. You're get, You're getting first eyes on like the best talent that might be coming from like one, you know, YC company that's now exited and looking for mm. their next thing. Um, and, you know, getting great talents, one of like the most important things if, uh, if you're a startup that, that you need, um, there's a sort of permanent relationship. Every YC company gets the advantage of with their YC advisors and partners, and even now that it's been multiple years since we went through IC, I will still lean on that for advice that I can't get anywhere. Um, mm. I mean, we even have like some of our Series A investors who maybe don't have like the perfect answer for us will often suggest, hey, why don't you go back to YC and ask them? So like it sort of doesn't matter how big your company gets <laughs> YC uh-huh. is almost always the perfect resource for a startup to get the answers they need. And that wow. never, never goes away. Um, I assume too, like, I mean, we're earlier stage, so this is it's not super interesting for us, but once we're like, you know, series CD looking to do acquisitions by being in the YC network as a later stage company, we're probably going to have a lot more access to seed stage or early stage companies that would be good like acquisition targets um and you, it's just like a shoe in there which I, I think like a lot of other companies don't have that advantage so mm. it's, i mean there's tons more that i'm probably not even cognizant of because we haven't like hit a I, I mean I, I think that's to think about it but that, I mean, that's awesome to, to hear that I mean to, to even you know you've already gone through the program you could say like well don't you have the notes can't you just like do what you learned the first time but like saying that it'd be worthwhile to go through again I think that's good for others to hear and I, I you know I would I know it's not necessarily like uh, I, does 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 YC and this is my own ignorance coming through. They they don't provide funding. It's mostly mostly it's like it's an accelerator. They and do other resources. Oh, they do. Okay. Well, I, and like you know when we went through it, uh, don't quote me. These numbers are not right, um, but they're they're probably close. Um, there's an asterisk it, next to everything you're about to say. Yeah, there, there's an asterisk <laughs> on the specifics. So uh, don't blast me if I get some of these numbers wrong but i know like in 2019 when we went through ic i think that they gave every company like 120k or or something close to that and um i don't know the exact number now but i think it's closer to half a million that every company gets so pretty nice lift um uh plus the value of like the and network all, all and the everything. things that you, that you just described. Everyone. Yes. I mean, like it's, that's pretty, I think it's like, 
any founder that's going to look at that and be like, oh, this isn't a good deal. Like, you don't know what you're talking about and you're just thinking about things <laughs> wrong. Like, take a breath. <laughs> go, go talk to some other founders that went through YC and they'll help set you straight. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank, thanks for going into those details. Ethan, we're going to go ahead and transition into what I like to refer to as my favorite segment. It's called For the Future. For the Future is when I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Oh, no. Okay. Let's there do it, it is. Y'all. He's getting situated <laughs> in the chair, ready. This is the hot seat. First one, what does Latchell look like one year from now? Mm, um. Yeah, so there's a few uh, uh, paths we're taking that I think will kind of meaningfully have us uh, look different. One is around the resident benefits. Um, I believe that the the winner of benefits is going to have the most open, configurable platform. Mm. I think when you talk to other benefit providers, it's very much like, this is it, you implement this. But the problem with that is regionally things are like so different particularly as like new county laws and state laws come into play around what's allowed this is going to look completely different cross state so Mm -hmm. we're approaching it much more from a, a customizable configurable open platforming perspective where you can like plug and play the different types of amenities uh that you might want to present to a resident and you have a wide array of uh, uh, pricing available to you, whether it's like, oh, we're going to make this mandatory. We're going to make this optional. All these things mm-hmm. need to be open and available. So you'll, you'll see a lot more of that coming from Latchell. And I, I think, uh, I, I don't know, I, I think we're ahead of the curve on that. I think every other company in this space will eventually have to pivot to like, a more open platform or, or they're going to get left behind. Um, around the maintenance side, I think you're going to see, uh, and all of that like service software we provide. I think you're just going to see more analytics and more, mm-hmm. in, uh, more intelligence being surfaced to our customers to make like more kind of like to, to, to make better, uh, systemic decisions around their maintenance. Yeah. Now this is challenging in single family because like, Every unit probably has a different dishwasher. There's not like that standardization across properties like in a high rise. So it kind of becomes around operationally. Especially when they're different owners. I mean, that's hard to... The owners are different. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of hard to tell everyone, okay, so we're going to go with the almond light switch covers in every unit. You're going to need to update (laughs) those. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I think that's also why it's hard. Uh, I think it's why some like IoT products have struggled in this space that's oh, like yeah, yeah. i mean if totally. you're progress residential invitation homes and you own all the units cool but to yeah. get to mass market like uh good good luck i don't know if you can like, see the, the the blink camera boxes behind me but my house just turned into fort knox i mean there's <laughs> a <laughs> which is i just went i went haywire with the amazon uh, deal days or whatever they were doing. I saw some deals. And oh, that's awesome. Cameras for every angle outdoor. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I felt it personally as a consumer. I'm like, it's just it's too much. I, I can't. And so I, I one time tried to put a electronic door at my rental. Uh, I have a, a it's like basically a, a, it's a kind it, of... it, Yeah, something like that. This is one in the Northwest and, it, and it's mixed use. So mm. the, 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 there's a more of like a commercial type style uh, portion of the property. And so I, I put a electronic door on it and I thought this would be great. I don't have to do keys and all that. That thing broke so fast and just didn't really work. And then I couldn't get it to, and then my, my rent, my tenter, tenant called me up and he's like, Hey man, like I'm just putting a different knob on this. Is that okay? He's like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just, hands up in the air. Like, that's fine, man. <laughs> I'm sorry well, for the hassle. Now imagine that if you're a property manager with like, 500 homes that each have a different setup like that. And they're all different. Yeah. They're all different. You know, the residents are, are just bombarding you and like, you know, so, you know, you asked about like year into the future. I mean, I always pull this like Jeff Bezos quote. I don't know the quote exactly, but effectively he was like, you know, at Amazon, we're focusing on the things that aren't going to change. 
we don't focus mm. on the things that will change because as long as we, you know, it's, as long as you can do a rock solid job on the things that won't change. And we know what's not going to change is mm-hmm. property managers are going to continue needing to be shielded from just the constant 24 seven bombardment and residents mm. are always going to want the fastest response. Yes. And so you're just going to see more and more functionality in Latchel about shielding, shielding the property manager while delivering these really great service experiences to the resident. Um, and you'll just consistently see that growing over time with us. That makes a ton of sense. Question number two, what are some not so common resident benefits or perks today that you'd like to see become very common in the near future? It's, this is a cop-out answer. Um, so Latchel runs a series of proprietary benefits that can literally only be accessed if you're a Latchel customer. Um, so they're uncommon. Why are they uncommon? Well, like Latchel's a startup. We're not in every single management mm-hmm. company. Um, but maybe I can, let me generalize it to make the answer a little bit more, more interesting. Uh from an abstract perspective, what Latchel's benefits do is shield the property manager from like these sort of like painful um, cost disputes that can happen between like tenants, the manager, and ownership of the uh, asset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think one of the things generally we're going to see a lot more of are benefits that aren't just delivering some kind of convenience to the resident, but they're benefits that drive convenience or cash to the resident while protecting the property manager from having to constantly be dealing with these like tenant owner, you know, cost disputes and things like that. Got it. Number three on for the future. What's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away. Um, hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, Maybe this is recency bias, which is why this is coming to mind. It's so the the Biden administration and like Zillow Apartments dot com have like kind of started moving this direction to um, create more transparency in uh, rental costs and fees to try and uh, sort of prevent like putting fees in a lease that don't surface on a list on the top of the listing. And I think it is super common in the industry for fees to not appear on like the listing page as like the advertised price and then appear later in the lease when someone, when a prospect is ready to you mean like a pet rent fee or like a pet. trash disposal fee or something like that. Oh, resident benefit fee. Pet oh, rent okay, fees, yeah, yeah. Um, parking fees, mandatory admin fees, uh, mm. one-time mandatory costs for like renewals, release. Like there, oh, there are a ton I, you of know, them. The, for me on this is apartment buildings is the the elevator reservation fee. That one <laughs> that I, I learned when I moved to Chicago. Is that cool? Assigned a lease. Okay, so now we need a two hundred dollar deposit, and you to schedule a reservation of the elevator. I mean, was my option to move in, up right? and down sixteen floors to move in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I can feel you on that one. I mean, they're common in multifamily. They're common in single family. It, it's super common. Yeah. It's we're seeing more of it actually. Like it, it's trending upward. You, you you have like these different like state government agencies trying to reduce it um i think because mm-hmm. it's been a trend i like i i don't see it happening anytime soon that there's like a change there from regulation like i think there's a lot of talk around that yeah there's like some probability that there will be some blanket laws that prevent it yeah. from happening a which bit. fees have to be disclosed and which ones can be added on later yeah but yeah i think it's gonna take a long time before you see that trend reversed why is mm-hmm. that trend mm-hmm. bad i think you're doing a lot more i think a lot of times when these things are hidden managers can do a lot more damage to the experience for the renter than they believe they're I doing agree. like 
yeah, it makes sense. Focus on like getting folks in the door to rent units. But like, look, we mm-hmm. have like a supply problem. There's not that much supply. It's why rent prices keep going up even when the economy looks shaky. So like right. to a certain extent, as property managers, we do have like some leeway and some luxury right now in mm-hmm. um, maybe over leveraging on the residents' experience and not having to worry about so much of like, are we just getting enough eyes on the property to rent it quickly? And yeah. I think it would be a good time to unwind some of those bad practices that lead to negative resident experiences. I dig it. Last one here. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? Oh, well, my number one hope is we reduce our uh, the, the the problem dynamic of having to do everything with manual labor as we grow and scale our management companies like there there used to be like a uh, rule of thumb that you needed a maintenance coordinator for every couple hundred or so homes under management mm-hmm. uh, you know i would love if it, in the future it's like you can add 2000 more homes you can you can make 2000 more sales this year without having to hire 10 more people. If we can even manage it to reduce it to a factor of one, that's massively significant for increasing the operating efficiency of our management companies. And so I, I think you'll see technology doing that. You'll, you'll, I mean, it's kind of like one of the reasons Latchel exists, but I think you're going to see that type of scalability and management accelerate with like you know large language models like uh what open ai is doing chat gpt um so I, th- I think you're gonna see just like an explosion of that uh, which ultimately will work to increase the margins of management companies and allow us to mm-hmm. focus more on creating mm-hmm. great experiences really rich profitable companies that um w- and i think the long-term outcome of that if we can create management companies that are extremely uh, profitable and have healthy margins, there's going to be a huge benefit to landlords that mm-hmm. want to use third-party mm-hmm. property managers. And there's mm-hmm. a huge benefit to residents. Like if you have more margin, you can invest more in your customer experiences and management That's tends to get a bad rap. That's the pull. So. That's the constant push pull that that property managers face. Like, I don't have enough people to respond to the residents. If you hire, now you don't have enough properties to pay for your new hire. So you have to get yeah. new properties, and you're back to right where you were. Uh, you know, or you have the wrong skilled people doing the wrong tasks, and and you know, we've all heard the stories uh, of the the person who shows up to do a repair who was obviously not a person who should be doing repairs. <laughs> Uh, and so oh, yeah, of course, to avoid those problems. Yeah. We, we used right. to have this uh, tagline is like happy, happy residents and healthy margins. That's, that's really hmm. like where I think the industry is going to go. We could broaden it to just say kind of happy customers, whether it's a happy, happy resident, even a happy service provider or a happy landlord and, and healthy margins. I like it. Last one, uh, last three here, uh, Ethan, we're going to go into, these are questions about you specifically, so our listeners get to know you just a bit better. First one, what are you reading? Oh, I, I wish I had like a good answer for you. I've been so underwater. So I've had, um, I'm like 75% of the way through uh, Isaacson's Jobs uh, biography. Oh yeah, um, yeah, it's on the it's on the shelf back there. It's yeah, on the which, which I love. Like great book. I I I've been like inch like millimeters chewing away at millimeters of that book at, at a time. Um, so I'm, I'm in the middle of that one. Uh, but yeah, I I really wish I had more time to to spend I feel on it. it. <laughs> I feel it. Uh, second one here. Who are you learning from? Ah, yeah. So um, I've been spending a lot of time with other prop tech founders recently, uh, which has been kind of refreshing, especially coming out of like COVID with more like in-person meetings happening. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's easy to forget like how valuable sitting down at dinner or sitting down for a beer with another founder and just talking about problems can be. Yeah. Awesome. And then last one here, what inspires you? Oh my God. So many things inspire me. Um, I, I would say like, I tend to be inspired by really challenging problems, whether it's, you know, solving, uh, ex- experience and customer service problems in property management, uh, or whether it's, um, tough problems like, uh, running a marathon, um, which I just did for the first time a couple weeks ago. Hey-o. So it's Congrats. like, yeah, thanks. But I think solving really hard problems, it's, it's exciting. Like it, it, it's energizing. And so I, I'm mm-hmm. generally getting my inspiration by just thinking through like, what seems even more challenging than landing on Mars and, and building a Martian society? De- definitely solving property management ales often feels <laughs> like it might be more difficult and challenging than, than landing on Mars. <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring to it, but I'm not going to doubt you on that. No, it's, it's not sexy. Not sexy at all. <laughs> but But very challenging. Yeah. Ethan, this has been awesome. Uh, thanks so much for everything you had to share with us today um, and going into detail on what Latchel is building, where you guys are going from here. Before we close out this episode, uh, for those who want to get in touch with you and or learn more about Latchel, where do they go? How do they do that? Yeah, I mean, of course, you can go to our website. Um, like, if you're actually interested in, like, exploring Latchel services, we got a demo button you can click. Uh, if you just go to latchel.com. Um, otherwise, uh, if you want to connect to talk about, you know, startups, industry, anything like that, feel free to reach out to me directly. My email is pretty simple. It's just Ethan at Latchel.com. Boom. There it is. Awesome. Uh, we'll have to link up when I'm back in the Northwest so I can get some good coffee. They don't have a lot of it where I'm at, to be honest with you. Uh, otherwise, well, we have way too uh, much of it here. So <laughs> sad. That's true. That is true. But otherwise, we'll we'll catch you later. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for listening to TechNest, the PropTech podcast. Find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode on technest.io. You can get future episodes delivered to your ears directly by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast apps. Follow TechNest on social media to stay up to speed on new developments, resources, and announcements in PropTech. Your support is greatly appreciated. There's two ways you can directly support this podcast. Share episodes you find interesting and then leave a review of the show in the App Store. From Nate and the TechNest team, thanks for listening.